It's time for Cyclone Insider. From the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO, Des Moines Sports Station. Yo, it's the Des Moines Register's Cyclone Insider program. We are live tonight. We usually don't do this live because Tommy Birch is normally up in Ames covering the Cyclones. Well, they do not have media availability tonight, so we're live. Which means you can call us tonight at 515-284-5966. Probably take the majority of our calls in the 6 o'clock hour because in about 10 minutes, Iowa State head basketball coach Steve Prohm will be on the air. Hey, Tommy Birch, what's up, my man? How are you? I've never been better than I am in this very moment. It does feel a little weird being live. I mean... I'm, is... I'm, total, I'm way more comfortable live. I so like I. live radio. It's weird not having Randy Peterson here. It's very weird, but it's it's probably best if he's not going to be here. It is when we are live. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Um, Iowa State, Kansas State coming up on Saturday. Huge game uh, in the Big 12 as far as standings go, really for Iowa State. Um, man, let me put it this way. Iowa State is in essentially a pick game to win its eighth game of the regular season. Raise your hand if you saw that one coming. I'll, I'll tell you what, and Jankowski is back in the, you know, uh, glass cage of emotion or whatever back there, raising his hand. The dias hard of Iowa State fans, the people that wake up in the morning and just chug their Cardinal and Gold Kool Aid in the morning, could not have thought eight wins. Was I saw one on. guy on Twitter. He's a liar. No, he actually retweeted it to me the other day. So I don't know what your name is, but props to you if you're listening. He, other than you, nobody had Iowa State at eight and four. He is either really smart or a really big idiot. I probably lean more towards the second. Yeah, but no. In all fairness, I mean we we saw pieces in fall camp that were like, wow, this this could be an exciting year, but they have to all come together, and they they really haven't. That's what's crazy. Like. They haven't played. Jacob Park hasn't played since the Texas game. It's been. I, I'm trying to think what game you would you would look back on and be like, "Wow, they played a complete all around great game." I mean, the game I keep coming back to is the Oklahoma game. They played well in so many different areas there, but from start to finish in every aspect. Now I know that's pretty rare for a lot of teams to be able to do that, but it seems like even in Iowa State's wins. You're like, man, there, there was some stuff that they left on the table there that they could have, they could have played significantly better. Elsewhere in basketball, uh, we're just going to do a quick little prelim segment here before we get to Steve Prom. Everybody, Jeff Prom, Jeff Prom will join us. We'll have to call him that. He'll like that. Uh, Iowa State. Were you at the Milwaukee game last week? I was not. No, I okay. was with football stuff. Bless you. So yeah, I, I did catch the tail end of it. That was a that was one of the worst games we've seen in Hilton Coliseum in a decade, <laughs> if not the worst. Oh yeah, in a decade. I was gonna say there yeah. there were some. And I I I just thought, and we'll tell Steve coming up here. I'll tell him. I mean, just an impressive coaching job. I thought to get those kids turned around. I was My, front row and center, and it, it it was really an impressive thing to see the how far they came from Monday until Thursday. Yeah, I think I, I think the other week I'd said to Ross or somebody I thought. You know, the timing of this tournament to get out of town is just perfect. You know, it's good for them 
to get away, have a little team bonding. You you see it all the time. Usually, sometimes these these tournaments, you go one of two ways. Either you kind of go the way I was going right now, or you kind of rally the troops and and build some momentum and and have some fun and have some success. And that's what Iowa State did. You know, you kind of wonder. You know, obviously the moves that they made on the court helped a ton, but I think just that small aspect of just getting away and forgetting about a lot of the the sour taste left in their mouths back in Ames probably helped at that time. Good analysis. Steve Prom, Iowa State head basketball coach, will join us next year on Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. It's Cyclone Insider from the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO. Uh, still trying to get a hold of Steve Prom. He must have thought that uh, Peterson was going to be with us. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I miss Randy, man. He it's usually not is. When he's, it's not the same without Peterson. No offense to you, Tommy. I'm just taking a ton of offense right now. No, he he's usually uh, the voice of reason. He actually had a really good column on uh, uh, DesMoinesRegister.com talking about uh, Matt Campbell, how we should – be the Big 12 coach of the year. Would you vote for him? Okay, let's think about this here. Who else would be a candidate? I think Gary Lincoln, Patterson is a candidate. Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley would be a candidate. Uh, so Me this vote. always comes down to what is your definition of coach of the year? It's kind of like MVP. Is it, you know? Is Well, hold on. Is it the guy who exceeded expectations the most? Or is it the guy who, um, who's coached the best team? That's why I me. Mean. It's kind of like MVP. You know, the the talk when it comes to the most valuable player is it the person that put up the best stats. Matt Campbell should absolutely. If they win on Saturday, he's the coach of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. If they lose, that makes I it do a little think, bit more. Testy. I do think Lincoln Riley is a pretty interesting case. He's done a hell of a job. I, I mean, but he also. He also walked into a program that had all the pieces to the puzzle right there for him to have success. Okay, let me ask you this. Would Lincoln Riley have led Iowa State to seven or eight wins this year? Ooh, I don't know. We just don't know enough about Lincoln. I mean, yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, but I don't think most people understand this – difficulty of that Lincoln Riley situation that he stepped into. Yeah. Not only are you without any head coaching experience in your life, not only are you taking over a top five to 10 program in the country in the middle of the summer, you're replacing an absolute Titan of the industry. And I think there is something to be said when Kind of like that part where I mentioned, look, a lot of pieces to the puzzle right there. That puts a lot more pressure on you that you've got to succeed right away. There's no grace period. There's no warm up, um, have some trials and tribulations. Kind of like when, you know, the opposite of Matt Campbell. When Matt Campbell took over, I think a lot of people were like, okay, this is going to take a little time. That's why what Iowa State is doing this season has propelled him into this conversation because everybody didn't expect it to be going this good this soon. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I totally know what you mean. Who would you vote for? Oh, I mean, I I don't see a reason why not to to vote for Matt Campbell right now. If they're eight and four, if they go seven and five, no doubt. I do have um, do have a vote for coach of the year when it comes to the AP teams. I vote on all that stuff. Tip your hat. Tip your hand. I mean, right now Matt Campbell's in the conversation. Okay, I don't. I think they may. Scenario. I think they may. It's kind of like the Heisman. I think they may take my vote if I Here's let the, the masses know right now. I've been pandering for a Heisman vote for years. You got to talk to. Uh, damn, still not. Still nothing. <laughs> um, if let me let me put it this way, Iowa State goes seven and five. Oklahoma wins the Big Twelve championship, goes to the playoff. It's going to be really difficult. Now, my you question is... got to go Lincoln is, Riley, Tommy. That's and, why I'm saying it's going to be really difficult I am not, as, to not vote for I him. am as big, if not the biggest, Matt Campbell shill on the planet. Yeah, but I think there are going to be a lot of people... There, I, I, I totally get what you're saying, and I, I, I would find it hard to not vote for Lincoln Riley, but I think there are going to be a lot of people who would be like, hey... You and I could coach that team to five or six wins. Joining us now here on the phone is my friend Jeff Prome. He's the head <laughs> basketball coach of Iowa State. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the program. How you doing, Chris? Good to be here. Appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I know there's been a lot of debate. It's J-E-F-F, not G-E-O-F-F. <laughs> Which way? Which way? It's, it's the G-E. No, he said J-E-F-F. Yeah, yeah, J E F F, not G E O F F. Steve, you look like more, or you look like more of a G E O F F type of guy to me. I disagree. Well, I'll, I'll change it. <laughs> change it, Steve. Uh, first of all, what a what a tournament for you and your program down in Myrtle Beach. Heck of a turnaround. Um, how how have the guys responded since you got back? What's practice been like? Well, we were off Monday. You know, we got back, you know, you were with us. We got back really yeah. first thing Monday morning, you know, 1, 2 a.m. And uh, so we were off Monday. We're, we're, we're in the holidays, you know, with Thanksgiving uh, this week. So school's off all week. And so we actually just walked off the practice floor. We went twice today. We had a morning kind of offensive workout where we got some shots and reviewed some 5 on 0 and uh, kind of run, reviewed some underneath out of bounds and side out of bounds situations. And then. We actually, in the afternoon session, we actually had to hold Hans and Cam out. Hans, that's just kind of normal. Cam had sprained his ankle the other night, and so, you know, those two were out. And so the guys were good. You know, we're a little beat up right now. Uh, we'll actually be off again tomorrow, try to regroup, and then have a good workout Thursday and Friday to get ready for Saturday. Coach, how do you keep the, I guess, roller coaster ride of emotions in check right now? Because you have – you know, what they went through after the Milwaukee game to now kind of riding this this high after the tournament. I know you always like to talk about kind of riding those peaks and valleys, but with such a young team, it's got to be tough to do that at times, right? Well, yeah, that's the biggest thing is them, for them to understand and us as a staff to understand is that we've got to be good every day, uh, that we're just a week away from not playing very well at Missouri and and, and versus Milwaukee, and credit to those guys for the job they did against us. But obviously, watching us, looking at us, you know, we we needed to get Hans and Cam in the rotation, and we had to make some changes, which we did. But now they got to understand 
you know, why we had success down in South Carolina, uh, the pace that we played with offensively, uh, sharing the ball, you know, we made shots, we got to the free throw line still, but then defensively, you know, I thought we did a good job for the most part, especially in the boys' game, executing our game plan. Uh, and we got to continue to grow in that area. You know, defensively, we've really got to grow. And that's the thing is, you know, it's never as good or bad as it seems early in the season. And so you just got to keep getting better. And I think those are the teams that end up having great years, figuring out ways to get better and challenge your group all year long. Steve, I, you've been high on Nick Weiler-Babb since the day you, you stepped in here, um, and you, you have not been shy about that. The The gear that he showed you this last week in South Carolina, do you think he was that good yet, or did that even surprise you a little bit? He was good, very, very good. Um, you could say it surprised you uh, from a standpoint is that he did it in all areas. He scored it, passed it, and he founded it. But, you know, when I first got here, you know, and I was around him and I just saw the the length and the size and the speed and the athleticism that he had, I, I knew he had a chance. And that's, you know, like we talked about down there at Media Day last year, that's why I said I thought he was, you know, could be our best pro prospect here uh, just because of the position that he can play and, and because of his size and athleticism and you know, it was a great start for him, and now the challenge is, you know, to continue to be great the next day and the next day after that. But tremendous tournament, very proud of him. He's a great kid. He's great his mother was down there so she could, you know, be a part of that. And so it's a great start to a junior year for him. It kind of reminded me with all the playing time that he got during this tournament. It seemed like you just couldn't afford to get him, you know, off the court. He had to stay on there at all times. Is it – it, it kind of made me think a little bit about Monte Morris over the last couple of years. Is is that going to be kind of the case when it comes to Nick in terms of, you know, you, you're going to have to get a ton of minutes all the time out of him? You know, I just, I really just kind of go on, uh, on the feel that, you know, how the game's progressing, how we're doing. Um, if he's playing well, he's a guy that I think we really need on the floor unless he needs a break because uh, he brings so much to the table for us uh, offensively, running offense, pushing tempo, uh, distributing the ball, and then defensively being able to guard the opponent's best player and rebound. And so he brings a lot to the table. Um, and I just told him, maybe if he needs out, let me know. I'll get him out. usually like to do that right before him, like the 13-minute mark or the 9-minute mark so he can rest for a minute and the media. Uh, but, you know, any good guard, especially the point guard position that, that we've had, you know, I, I like them to be on the floor as much as possible. Steve, uh, we do have a lot of Iowa fans listening since it's, you know, we're broadcasting in Des Moines, and, and I think it's a fair question for you and your program as well. Um, you know, the Hawkeyes just dropped a couple of tough games in, in the Cayman Islands, and, and you guys started, though, and too. I guess where I want to go with this is just to get your perspective on how, how up and down the month of November can be for a college basketball program and just – uh, you know what what's going on in the month of November for a team that hasn't played much together uh, that that maybe like an average fan doesn't see when they're watching the games on TV. Well, first off, is some of those teams are really good. I don't think people really realize. I knew South Dakota State they beat Iowa today. I, they I did. Last checked, I knew they were winning. Yeah, they did. So beat, that's a great win. Yeah, great win for TJ. And so, you know, but he's got a good team. I mean, Michael Dom, you know, could probably play a, a lot of different places. And so I don't think people realize, especially coming from that level, how good some of those teams are. And so I think that's number one. And then number two, um, 
you know, you don't know the youth of, of some of the teams and experience or inexperience that teams have. Uh, and then how much the neutral site plays into, plays into things, you know, of, you know, is these preseason tournaments. And so, you know, November is always going to be like this. Uh, there's going to be great upsets, um, just like there will be in March, you know, when you've got the best of the best going against each other. But that's, that's common, I think, now. And I think it has a lot to do with neutral sites. I think it has a lot to do with teams are still trying to figure their way out. And then it has a lot to do with some of those teams, Louisiana Lafayette, I'm very familiar with them. They're very good. Um, you know, South Dakota State, that's a program that's been good for a long, long time. And so, uh, yeah, I think that plays a lot to do with it as well. Yeah, and I, I guess I saw it firsthand with your team, too, just over the last week, Coach. I, I just saw two guys in Donovan and Nick were – you know, maybe those first two games that they it seemed like they struggled to grab the role as leader, and then down in South Carolina, I mean, watching your team up close, there was zero doubt who the leaders were on that team on the court. It was those two guys. Yeah, and then you look at that too, and I mean, it just I mean, we we added two more pieces. And, yep. Uh, we were playing somebody. You know, we were, we didn't have a a set point guard position. We kind of had to let that play out, and and so there's a lot of things teams are going through early, and that's why. You just got to stay the course, and you just got to continue to get better um, if you want to really have a great year. And so, uh, we still got a lot of work to do. Just like, you know, that's why these games are great this time of year. You want to play good teams. Uh, that's why it was great to go to Missouri. That's why it was great to play in this tournament. It's great Iowa's coming here, you know, in a week. It's great to play Northern Iowa and Des Moines and and all these different games because you know we've got to get better. And you only get better by doing, you know, growing in practice and then playing good competition. Coach, thanks for your time. Always good to hear from Jeff Prohm on a win Tuesday night here on KXNO. Yep, J-E-F-F. Thanks. <laughs> Take care. Uh, I think you may be able to hear more from Jeff Prohm tonight. Is he on the coach's show, Sean? He or might is, be. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know if he is or not. Might be Campbell. I'm sure Matt Campbell will be. That's Campbell, coming up at 6 got a bunch of players. Oh, Okay. Tommy, will you be chronicling the Cyclone Coaches Show on Twitter tonight? I don't know if I'm gonna have time. I don't know if I'm gonna get home in time. It's no excuse. Yeah, well, I mean those, you know, pesky texting and driving moths. We have more Cyclone Insider coming up. Uh, we'll probably look at this upcoming weekend in the Big Twelve. Uh, a little more Iowa State basketball. It's Tommy's show. I'm kind of here just running the running the floor. Maybe do some grades from that Baylor game. We can do that. A lot of cycling talk. It's coming up next here with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. It's Cyclone Insider from the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO. Thank you very much for joining us here. Uh, Hour number three of Fanatics. Of course, it's Tuesday night at six, so that means this is Cyclone Insider. With the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Tommy Birch joins me today, and he was at the Baylor game over the weekend. I thought they were going to lose that game, Tommy. Going yeah, into it. I really did. I, and it wasn't really anything against Iowa State. It just seemed like they were beat down a little bit. It seemed like Baylor was due for a win. Thought Iowa State would lose the game. They impressed me. Here's where I come from with that. Yeah, there were times where I thought Iowa State would win. But also, I kept kind of waiting for that turnover that came with Brian Peavy because it's gotten to the point this season 
where we see it so many times. We saw Marcel Spears do it with the pick six, uh, the interception against TCU. Then DeAndre Payne had the big pick at West Virginia. That's kind of forgotten about. The the defense's ability to get turnovers on other people in the red zone late in the game, it's it's astounding. And now you just kind of have to expect it to come at some point. So that's why I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I think Iowa State may lose this game. But on the flip side, I was like, this is going to happen. And it almost got laughable when Brian Peavy just ripped it out of that guy's hands and got the turnover because you're just like, okay, this is what they do. I mean, for me, the biggest shock is it's just a complete turnaround from last year and the year before where I would say just found ways to lose games. Now they're finding ways to win games. Yeah, no, that's a really good way to put it. I mean, they just they do what they've done what good teams do. They've beaten teams that they're supposed to beat. They've pulled off a few upsets. Well, when they do it the way you know, uh, you know, good teams do it because, you know, in the past we'd see it so many times where it's like, okay, man, the defense is doing a good job of just keeping this team in the game and then they'd end up breaking or the offense would just be doing well but the defense couldn't get a stop. Now they kind of play each off. They play off each other really well. You know, the I mean, for the most part, it's the defense kind of picking up the offense, but – the the fact that one isn't letting the other just tear apart this team and 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 kill them in games it's it's amazing. Tommy Birch here with us on fourteen sixty KX. You know, what did you think of Zeb Nolan in his performance? His in his first start uh, gets the road win. I mean, it was fine. It wasn't great. I would say it was average to just maybe a little bit below average. He made some good throws. Um, um, provide a spark when they needed him to. But to me, it's, you know, the thing about him is, yeah, he's got a better arm than Kyle Kemp. There's more upside. But right now, Kyle Kemp probably, when he's healthy, is probably going to do a little bit more to win you that You really think so? Game. Inter- that's I interesting. I think a little bit yeah. right now. I think he's just, I think he's a safer choice. I think... Man, I think it might be a totally different conversation if Zeb Nolan had all last season. I mean, that year of tearing his ACL just totally killed him. So we see bits and flashes of what Zeb Nolan can do. It's just way too inconsistent right now. It's way more inconsistent than what you see out of uh, Kyle Kemp. Yeah, I I feel like this is a classic one guy get as more of an upside exactly where the other guy like but you you don't think his bottom can be as low that being Kempt yeah like he's not Kempt is not going to get frazzled in Manhattan on Saturday Zeb Nolan's never played in an atmosphere like that when he's the opposition yeah I mean right now kind of the way I look at it as Cal Kemp's not going to lose you a game and outside the Oklahoma game we should preference that the Oklahoma game he went out there and he he won the game for Iowa State. Outside of that, he has been a really solid game manager, a guy that just keeps Iowa State in the game but isn't going to go out there and win the game for him. He isn't going to lose the game for you on the flip side. Zeb Nolan right now could probably do both those things. He can go out there and orchestrate uh, an impressive drive like we've seen at times, on the flip side, he can make some very 
dangerous throws where you're kind of like, ooh, man, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I would say for the most part, most of his throws haven't been really like, oh, my God, that's a horrible decision. I just think he doesn't really know the offense well enough and it showed at times. Yeah, and it, it let's be honest, too, it helps when you, you have receivers like that. You know, Absolutely. Those two throws that he made to Allen and um, Hakeem were good throws, but they you've got two top – Definitely top ten receivers in the Big Twelve. Probably two top twenty five receivers in college football. That, right? I, I, I don't think I'm yeah. being too crazy with that. Am no, I? I, I mean I think it was a great throw to to Butler. The one to Lazard, I mean, it was pretty much just throw it up there and you know, let Allen make a play. But yeah, I mean I think that helps in this transition incredibly that he's got all these different targets, but I mean, what you're seeing in the difference between Kyle Kempton and Zeb Nolan is you're kind of seeing Iowa State take a few more shots downfield, getting Alan Lazard, Akeem Butler, those guys more involved in the offense. I mean, when it was Kemp, you're seeing guys like Trevor Ryan, more screen passes, bubble passes, stuff like that, where he just didn't have the arm strength to really fire it downfield as often as Zeb probably can. Do you think that David Montgomery will play – on Saturday. I know what Matt Campbell said. Do you think that David Montgomery will play? Yeah, I do. I just don't trust coaches with injuries. I I don't either, but I <laughs> trust David Montgomery. And, and he was walking around and he looked okay. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this too. Not only did David talk the talk, but then when he left the football facility, I actually I walked with him part of the way to. You were creeping on him? No, no. I mean, it just kind of worked out. You were creeping well. through the windows. That's what a good reporter does. No, I I walked with him. I actually was just kind of, you know, heading back to the facility or to the Jacobson building, and there he was. He looked totally fine. And I will say this: Matt Campbell is not thinking about. You know, obviously he cares about the players, you know, the health of his players and all that stuff. But he isn't thinking in terms of, oh, I've got to keep this guy out to make sure he's healthy for the bowl game or whatever. He's thinking, I got to put the best product on the field to win on Saturday because uh, as of this moment right now, Iowa State's still in contention for a Big 12 title. It's very unlikely. And they're playing to increase their bowl status. And I think Campbell totally understands the difference between seven and eight wins when it comes to Iowa State fans. I don't believe Campbell, but I believe (laughs) David Montgomery. And I don't know. I I feel like I've changed a lot as a reporter over the last, like, since I've done the KXNO thing. I I feel like I've, I've seen it from different angles and stuff now. When I, when I just did what you do, it drove me crazy when they lied to me about injuries. I used to assume every coach <laughs> is lying to me. But now, like the older I get and the more of this I've seen, I'm like, well, why would he tell us who his quarterback's going to be last week? Yeah. You know, like, this guy gets judged off of... This guy's entire job performance is judged off of wins and losses, and coaches are very... Uh, they're very superstitious. They're very. They're constantly thinking, overthinking about things. I think they were messing with us down in 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 Waco too, because Kyle Kemp took the first team reps during warmups, 
and it looked like, you know, he was down on the field warming up. He looked like he was going to be the guy. Now, having said that, I've kind of talked to some people for a few different stories over the last couple of weeks, uh, over the last week. I will say this. It sounded like they hadn't settled on who, in fact, was going to be the starting quarterback pretty late in the week. I think they were really waiting really? out the health I, situation of that, Kyle Kemp. That's interesting because I would have guessed that it was Zeb Nolan the whole way. I, I always thought it was Zeb Nolan the entire way, but from what I've kind of heard at least, Zeb was not 100% sure that he was going to be starting on Friday night. Now maybe that's just him being a little optimistic. So what do you who do you think is starting quarterback on Saturday? I think it's going to be Zeb. I feel like this is a game I felt like last week they had a better chance to win with Zeb playing because I thought they were going to need to score. And I kind of feel like this is a game where Kemp might be a better option. I mean, you're, Just because he's going to take care of the football? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're play, you get sucked into that sort of a style. But you also, for as inconsistent as Zeb Nolan has been so far, what's the lone blemish? On his game so far. You know, on Zebs? Yeah. It, or or uh, when you look at the stat sheet, the one takeaway is you that pick. I have any, yeah, it's is, the turnovers. No, it's just that one. I oh, think he only yeah. turned it over one time. But you still, like, I. You know what, though? I can't say that exclusively about Zeb because I always feel like Kemp's going to throw an interception, too. Exactly. I mean, I think it's just because Kemp. I'll say it, Tommy. I think Nolan is a better option now. The more we talk through this. I just don't know about that for sure. I mean, I still yeah. got to see a little bit more from Zeb. So, like, just, if we're talking about a bowl game, Zeb's a better option. To me, that's when things are going to get really interesting. I heard you say that on Murph and Andy. I agree with you, yeah. Because you probably heard the reasons there. I mean, I talk... You know, Different audience. I've You've got, got yeah, I've got, So, I've got a story that I'm working on about Zeb that's probably going to come out within the next day or two. And I asked Campbell off to the side one day, you know, about making the pick for Zeb Nolan over Kyle Kemp. And one of the reasons he brought and you know, this is weeks after they did this. You know, Zeb Zeb has already gotten his playing time by now. He one of the things that Campbell said is he loved what Kyle Kemp had battled through. They had paid his dues. He was a senior and he had earned that spot. Not to say that Zeb Nolan, by the time the bowl game comes around, hasn't earned that spot, but it's going to be interesting to see what Campbell does because you can't forget that Kyle Kemp guided you to those four wins, including two wins over top five teams. And if that was part of the logic that played into starting him in the first place, I got to imagine from Matt Campbell's point of view, He's going to entertain that idea again. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you. I don't. I, I guess I don't know if I feel like you can go wrong. It's uh, weird that I just feel like they can score more with Zeb Nolan as their quarterback. I I do, t- but I'm not I as think. confident that they're not going to turn it over either. Yeah, it's just really weird. And I'll tell you what: how crazy is it that you know we are talking a lot about this quarterback um, situation. But doesn't seem to be the main talking point when it comes to Iowa State right now. 
I think a lot of people are in that camp too, like with what you said there, where I feel like Iowa State's going to be fine with either guy. I mean, look at what they've done. Yeah. They've been through four quarterbacks, three starting quarterbacks. You know, that's why, you know, I was sitting in the press box and people, you know, I saw Iowa State fans just freaking out about the team bus getting late to the stadium a little bit. I'm like, guys, this is a team that's been through how many quarterbacks already? And uh, another fourth. Yeah, yeah. Four quarterbacks, three starting quarterbacks. And all that adversity they've been through, I think they can handle getting to the stadium a little late. Now, my only deal with that, and I joked with Matt about it in my interview with him yesterday, was that he's such a, like a schedule-oriented guy. Yeah. And I was just kidding. Like, I, I tweeted this to you and said, I'm like, he's got to be going nuts in there. Well, and you could tell, by the way, I don't know if you heard the post game. No. Was but- he annoyed? Well, it was like I waited till the tail end of the press conference. I, I said to him, I go, how was the bus ride over? He goes, great. Love the area. And you know, he laughed, but it was kind of one of those sarcastic, like, you got to be kidding me. I can't believe I went through that. I'm never doing that crap again. I told him on the on that interview yesterday, welcome to Waco, man. Weird things always happen to Iowa State there. If it's fire alarms getting pulled, if it, like, for real... You talk to anybody, any former player who's traveled to Waco, weird stuff always happens in that town. I mean, I, I I'm not just found it odd that I'm it not was, saying they got stranded in a bus because Baylor set that up. But don't I'm not. Yeah, it was a car accident. Yeah, it's just weird stuff happened down there. I just find it more ironic that there was actually traffic delays in Waco. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Uh, Sean points out to us here, Sean Jankowski produces the program, does a great job. The college football playoff rankings are out. Top four, Bama, Miami, Clemson, Oklahoma. No beef with that. There you go. Send the stage for Lincoln Riley, Big 12 coach of the year. We've got, what, eight minutes left? Roughly. Iowa State does have a prayer to make the Big 12 championship game, Tommy. <laughs> Do you need me to pull up my trusty uh, Rolo, not Rolo decks, but my trusty index here on how Iowa State qualifies for the big game? Yeah, I spent like five hours in my hotel room in Waco looking at the scenarios. I called like 10 different people before I even wrote something because these tiebreakers, these second, I third tiebreakers. I just went to Chris Andringa's Twitter feed. Yeah, I know. Well, he posted that after I like labored through like four hours of just going nuts. Do you want to hear the best scenario? Yes. This is the I most realistic scenario. Now, it's important to note that Baylor is a 24.5-point underdog at TCU. <laughs> Take the points. <laughs> and Kansas is a 41-point underdog at um, at Oklahoma State, lay the points. So you got to wipe out Kansas. Kansas ain't winning that Oklahoma. Well, State. the good thing is we're gonna figure this out pretty quickly well, no, on, Friday. on Friday. Well, no, on Friday. But this is the best chance for Iowa State. There's 32 options. Um, only four result in the Cyclones playing in the Big 12 championship game. This is your best bet. Baylor wins as a 24 point underdog. At TCU, 
Texas Tech wins as a 10-point underdog, I believe, at Texas. Yep. Oklahoma State defeats Kansas. Iowa State defeats Kansas State. And Oklahoma wins at home against West Virginia. If all that happens, they're right. There. We're taking a trip to Dallas, buddy. <laughs> Going back to the Big D, we can go and check out the uh, the Kennedy assassination spot with all the new documents that have been released. That would be perfect. It'd yes. be great. But TCU is not going to lose. Do you think Baylor's quit? Huh? Do you think Baylor has quit? I don't think they've quit, and I think they relish in the idea of possibly shattering TCU's chances. I mean, we saw we saw a Waco the other day. Now, granted, that's senior day, so there's some extra, you know, oomph in that day. But I mean, they don't. I mean, man, they played hard all season. They have scared the crap out of a lot of people. But I don't think TCU is going to lose that game. Too much on the line. They know what they, at this point everybody knows Baylor is not as bad as they look. Or, you know, as bad as the record shows. Speaking of not being as bad as they look, I thought Iowa State's offensive line played its best game on Saturday. Yeah, I mean there were three or four different times where I looked at people in the press box and we were talking about like, man, that was the biggest hole for David Montgomery to run through, or that was the biggest hole for David Montgomery to run through. And right there, that was a great time. I mean, for one, the offensive line's always done a decent job with pass protection, but they've given him absolutely nothing to work with in terms of running. But they did the last, they did this week, and they didn't do too bad of a job against Oklahoma State, too. Yeah, no, they're okay. I feel like they're – I was worried about midway through the season because I didn't think that that group was improving every week. But I think that they've kind of turned the corner here in the in the final fourth of the season, which is very Tom Manning-esque. I mean, right now he deserves to kind of earn the benefit of the doubt when it comes to – Tom Manning, gonna... I, 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 I can't say enough good things about him. That's yeah. why I said at the start of this season, I have no worry about the offensive line. Well, now. you were wrong, though, because yeah. that's been the weakest part of the team. No question. I said the biggest <laughs> problem was going to be the defensive line, Yeah, which has been great. Don't worry. You can go back and pick apart 90% of what I said in August, and I was yeah, wrong, Yeah, let's too. do that. No. And but I just, like, I think that that offensive line is, and they're getting better, but that's what's holding them back, I think. Exactly. And... Obviously, you're kind of like, okay, look at all the young talent there. You've got Sean Foster, Bryce. He's going to be Maker. really good. Sean is. But, man, like, my only concern is, and, you know, this is a different staff. You know, you've got new strength coaches, trainers, stuff like that. So maybe it's different. But how many times during the, you know, the Paul Rhodes era do we see so many of those young players have to play important, meaningful snaps? As yeah. redshirt freshmen, yep. and by the time they got to be seniors, they were totally worn out. Right now, you're getting a lot of mileage on some of those guys. If they can stay healthy, they're going to be really good down the road. I do think that there's an interesting aspect of that, and I totally agree with you. It's What are you doing with them Sunday through Saturday? Because from what I've learned about the Rhodes era, the longer he's gone is that he was killing those guys. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. As far as workouts and stuff go. In for I don't know not to say that Matt Campbell the from what I understand, Matt's winter and spring stuff is a lot harder. But it's easier during the week. At times, yeah. He certainly sounds like picks his battles every now and then where See this is a, this is a good story, right? Where he'll push their buttons. But my thing too is I mean, from from that aspect, I've I've heard so many stories about how Campbell is just holding, you know, pushing them to whole other levels outside the roads. I don't know, man. Um, we'll see. the The injuries are a weird deal, though. I feel like they're very cyclical. No, some of them like, were just freak stuff too when it came to Iowa State in the past, but also. It's like we've said, the wear and tear that that line went through over right. the years. I, I mean, Jake Campos, he's a Jake's really good. He's a shell of what he would have been. He's think about how hard it is. It's going to be for him at the next level. Uh, poor kid. Um, do you think Iowa State will beat Kansas State? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, I think they will. I mean, man, they play really well on the road right now. Kansas State's dinged up too. I mean, I think. Yeah, I know you're not a fan, huh? I know you're not a fan of what of Iowa State. Of Iowa State, but I'm saying Iowa State's I, gonna win this. I'll speak for the fans. They want this game more than any of them, more than Iowa, more than Texas. Like, I think at least. And those these guys have beaten you up for nine straight years. Yeah, and I think the difference between the K State, you know, butt whooping. And the Oklahoma butt whooping is that when it came to Oklahoma, they were just whooping their butts. There have been some heartbreaking losses oh. when it comes to K State. Good show, Tommy. It was awesome. It was Always good. a pleasure to sit down and talk Cyclones with you. Same. We've got the Cyclone Coaches Show. Normally on Mondays, it's on Tuesday this week because of women's basketball last night. So uh, let's do that. Let's hand it off to my good friend John Walters, who's up at Applebee's in Ames. It's coming up next here on 1460 KXNL.